Hello, and welcome to episode 124 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Yuvia R. and Autumn L., the newest members of the Modern Manager community. I hope you're finding the guides and guest bonuses and Slack community helpful on your rockstar journey. To learn more about membership perks and become a member yourself, go to themodernmanager.com join. And don't forget, if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off of any membership level, and that includes the one-on-one and group coaching levels. Now, today's episode is about decision quality. In episode 88, Models and Methods of Decision-Making, I talk about various approaches to making decisions. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should check it out. It is linked in the show notes, of course. But this episode is about the factors that contribute to our ability to make a good decision. The approaches and ideas that I'm going to share here are a mix of things that I personally have used, things that managers I've coached have used successfully with their teams, plus some additional research that I've been doing on decision-making. Of course, I'll link to additional research in the show notes and resources so that if you want to learn more about any of these things, you can. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. According to some researchers, each person makes upwards of 30,000 decisions every day. Most of these are micro decisions that we barely even notice, but some of them are pretty big and have notable consequences or implications. And it's these decisions that we make, sometimes as an individual and sometimes with our team, where the quality of the decision really matters. It's why we agonize over making the right decision or argue over which way to go. Because when the choice is important, we don't want to get it wrong. So the question is, How do we make better decisions more consistently? Let's start by talking about why we are notorious for making bad decisions. Because at a minimum, if you can avoid the bad, you'll be in a much better position to start with. Now, you may have heard the term decision fatigue. It's the phenomenon that every decision we make wears on us. It takes energy and focus and brain power, and we only have so much of that each day. So the more decisions we have to make, the less patience we have for additional decisions. And less patience means we won't consider as many options, or we won't explore the options as thoroughly. And we may even end up avoiding the decision altogether, or equally as bad, picking the first or easiest choice just so we can be done with it. Now, another factor that negatively impacts our ability to make good decisions is our mood. You've probably experienced when you're in a good mood and it seems to spill into other areas of your day, or when you're in the bad mood and it seems to infest everything. Even something as seemingly innocuous as the weather has shown to impact our decisions. Research has actually shown that we are more optimistic when the sun is shining, and because of that, we are more optimistic in our decisions. Another study showed that judges are more likely to give harsher sentences right before lunch than any other time of day, simply because they're hungry. Now, it's almost impossible to completely correct for mood, but just being aware of your mood can help you reflect on whether you should be counteracting it or not. Similarly, we all have cognitive biases, which I talked about in episode 108, Combat Unhelpful Cognitive Biases. For example, our brain is wired to seek confirmation of what we already believe. So even when the data or pure logic says we're being unrealistic, we tend to disregard it in favor of what we already think is right. And of course, we all have emotions that play into how we feel about a decision. But emotions are also about whether we feel comfortable speaking up and sharing our views when making a decision as a team. It doesn't help you make a better decision if people on your team won't speak honestly about their concerns or identify risks and downsides. 
Lastly, research shows that we tend to make worse decisions when we have too much information. It may seem counterintuitive, but when we have information overload, we don't know how to process it, so it becomes like a lot of background noise where we're trying to find the music. The problem is that when we have so much information, we either throw up our hands and just pick something, or we fixate on a random piece of data or information regardless of whether or not it's the right piece. Similarly, you may have heard of this idea of the paradox of choice. When there are too many options, we actually make poorer decisions or no decision at all compared to when there are fewer choices. The quintessential story is about picking a flavor of jam. In the experiment, when there were fewer flavors, it was easier for people to select than when there were many flavors, which seems crazy because, of course, you would think more flavors means more people can find the one that they're looking for. But in reality, it was too many and people got overwhelmed and didn't want to make a bad choice. So too often, they walked away with nothing. So to help you address all of these issues that lead to poor decision-making quality, here are a few approaches to try for yourself and your team. First, ask yourself two fundamental questions. Is this the right decision to be making? Or are we framing the decision correctly? And then secondly, is there really a best answer here that can be found? It is amazing what happens when you take a step back and just reflect on whether you're even asking the right question to begin with. For example, if you're deciding on a new product idea, you might want to start by asking, why are we making this decision to begin with? Is now the right time to launch a new product or are we just going through the motions because it's what we've always done? And the same is true for that second question. Is there really a right answer? Sometimes you're choosing between multiple good options and the energy that you're going to invest in finding the best option just isn't worth it because there are no bad choices here. So instead of spending all of that time on this decision, use that time and energy on more important things. Second, try to make more important decisions in the morning and ideally earlier in the week when your brain has the most energy available for critical thinking. For example, if you have a big decision coming up at work, plan that meeting for Tuesday morning instead of a 4 p.m. on Thursday. Third, check for obvious factors that may be influencing you. Are you in a particularly stressful time at work? Now we know that COVID is making all of us more stressed all the time, so take that into consideration too. Or maybe you're in the opposite mood. Did you just come off a vacation? And yes, you still need to take vacation time during COVID. So are you feeling rejuvenated and in a really happy place? Are you rushing to get out the office door or wrap up work so that you can start making dinner? Just recognizing the state of mind we're in is useful. And sometimes that means we need to press pause and revisit the decision the next day. Or ask someone else to take on the decision because we just can't make it clearly. Fourth, bring other people into the process. Over and over again, research demonstrates that diverse perspectives make better decisions than individuals, and sometimes even better than individual experts. Getting the perspective of others, especially people who disagree with you or approach the decision from a different angle, helps counteract cognitive biases and assumptions and fill in gaps of information. And on that note, when it comes to gathering information, the goal is situational awareness. This concept comes from fighter jet pilots who needed to be aware of their current environment and be able to focus on the most important factors at that moment, not everything that was blinking in their cockpit. It's been applied into business in the sense that when we make a decision, you don't need all the information, just the right information. So now I'm going to talk about two processes that you can use to help you think through options. These can be done alone or with a group. The first is called the six hats, and the second is a form of options weighing. I learned about the six hats from a book called Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. In his book, he outlines how to approach a decision from six different perspectives, which he names as colored hats. The idea is to remove any preconceived notions about each of these perspectives and just put on that hat and think through that lens. 
And by doing so, you and your team get to robustly explore a decision. Here's a quick description of each of those six perspectives in my language, not his. Data and information. What data do you need to make a decision? And what is that data telling you from an analytical perspective? Emotions. How do you feel about this decision and how will it impact other people? The devil's advocates. What are the risks, potential downsides, or other concerns that you should be aware of? Optimism. What positives might occur? What are the potential upsides or other wins that could come from this? Creativity. This is the how might we mindset, the space for big, wild ideas. And lastly, process. Defining the decision-making process, setting parameters and criteria. When you're considering options, you can take time to think in an orderly fashion from each of these perspectives in any order that works for you. The author points out that we often find our decision-making conversations as a team becoming frustrating because we're each wearing a different hat. So we're basically trying to have five conversations at once. Instead, by everyone wearing the same hat at the same time, we can have an organized conversation and move through it seamlessly to a shared conclusion. This last process approach is a weighted criteria approach. It helps you compare options from a more analytical perspective. I find it helpful to do this in a spreadsheet so that the computer can do the math for me. And for today's mini guide, you can get the copy of the spreadsheet that I use. So here's how it works. Decide on the criteria that you're using to make this decision. This could be things like the financial cost, the time or effort required, the impact on your employees, your enthusiasm for it, the risk of failure, whatever it is that you're considering. I'd suggest no more than five criteria so that you're really focused on the most important factors. Then list them in the top row of your spreadsheet, leaving the first column empty. In the second row, under each of those criteria, give them a weighting. How important is this particular criteria? For example, maybe my biggest concern is money, so I would give that one a 100%, whereas the amount of time it's going to take me is only half as important, so that would get 50%. I have found that this can actually be the hardest part, because we want to think that everything is important, and that doesn't actually help us. So I found it helpful to force rank them and put them in order of importance. And then from there, I can decide the relative weighting of each one. That doesn't mean that you have to give each of them an equal rating at 20%, 40%, 60%, etc. And it's okay if nothing on your chart has less than 50%. Just don't give them all the same 80%. Next, you're going to list each of your options in its own row in column one. Then go along the row of that option and add your rating for each of those criteria on a scale of one to five. Now here's where you have to be careful that you're using the scale correctly. Because five is good. It makes it a choice that's attractive whereas one will lower the score because it's less attractive. So for something like my enthusiasm, I would give something I'm energized for a five. But if I'm measuring riskiness, something that is really risky would actually get a one because I want a decision that's less risky. Now, once I filled in all of those ratings, here comes the math. For each option, you want to add up the rating you gave multiplied by the weighting for that criteria, which will calculate into a total score. Then you can compare the score of each option. The higher the score, the better fit the decision is with your criteria. And if you're doing this with a team, have each person fill out their own spreadsheet so that you can compare your results. Now, regardless of what the scores are, you don't have to go with the decision that got the highest score. It just gives you a way to more objectively compare the options. So that was a lot. Thank you for hanging in there with me. And I'm going to wrap up here by saying that the mini guide this week, as I mentioned, includes that spreadsheet that I just described. So it's already set up with you with all the formulas, making it really easy for you to use. You can get that at themodernmanager.com slash mini guides. And it's also in your inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter. The full guide for today has a recap of all of the various decision-making approaches and factors to help you make better quality decisions. 
to get the full guide, become a member of the Modern Manager community. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And when you join, you also get access to all the previous guides and guest bonuses as well. If you just want this episode guide, you can purchase it and any other individual full guide at themodernmanager.com slash shop. Those and a whole bunch of other links are all in the show notes as always. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.